Welcome to episode 202 of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. This time around, we are looking at The Lone Gunman, Season 1. It's known as episode 13 in broadcast order, although we skipped 12 for reasons that will become apparent in a moment. The original air date was June 1st, 2001. The title is The Captain Toby Show, or at least that's the current title. When Chris Carter made his deal with Fox, his deal was to deliver three TV series, and one of the stipulations was that they had to last a minimum of 13 episodes. Clearly, X-Files is well beyond that. Millennium, his second outing, lasted three full seasons. And then he was working on Harsh Realm when he and Sean Cassidy, co-creator of American Gothic, were going to move over to CBS and do a show together. And Fox apparently wasn't a fan of that idea. Harsh Realm wasn't performing terribly well. So they pulled the plug after producing nine episodes of Harsh Realm and only airing three. So as a result, Carter still owed them a series, but because of the bad taste left in his mouth by the way they handled Harsh Realm, he did put out the stipulation that he wasn't going to do another series unless he had it in writing that they would air all 13 episodes if they ordered 13 episodes. They made that deal, and in The Lone Gunman, they were originally only airing 12. So at this point, the season finale which would later become the series finale, All About Eve, had already aired. And when they decided not to renew it, they still had this show. Because only 12 had been broadcast, they could have technically kept Chris Carter and required another series of him. Because this had already been produced, Carter had some apparently heated discussions with them, and this was aired in June after the season for pretty much everything had wrapped up just so they could say, yes, all 13 episodes aired and he was released from his contract. But it is very apparent by the continuity of the series, this was always intended to be seen before All About Eve, which is why we are going through it now. So in this episode, we've got a children's show, the Captain Toby show that Langley grew up with, and in the pre-credits teaser, the star ends up getting arrested, and the lone gunmen are there watching it. As we go through the series, we find out that the CIA and FBI are involved in a joint operation. Somehow, government secrets are making it to the Chinese market through the syndicated worldwide broadcast of this show. Now, Langley is struggling for a couple of reasons. Primarily that there's a new showrunner involved who's completely changing the show. So this is not the show Langley remembers. Captain Toby is now in a nuclear submarine instead of a tugboat, for example. There's some hip-hop theme music instead of the more traditional sailor music. And there's a lot of random changes going on. So while Langley is ready to blame the showrunner for it, the other side do point to Captain Toby and there are CIA and FBI agents that were involved in the production. That's actually how the boys got tipped to it. Two of the crew members in their 30s died of heart attacks in the same mall on the same day. Now, we see that they were actually killed by a woman in rose-colored glasses. As the story evolves, we find out she's a CIA agent, and the other two are FBI, 
turns out that the woman in the rose-colored glasses was the spy. And that if you're viewing a certain prop that you would pick up from the printer through those rose-colored glasses, then you can read secret messages in the portal that was part of Captain Toby's show. Kinda begs the question, to my mind, if you need those special glasses to see the broadcast, or to see those wavelengths, how are they being picked up in film and recorded so that they can be broadcast worldwide? That strikes me as a bit of a plot hole. But in any event, with the help of Eve, they do manage to get it all wrapped up, and they clear the name of the actor who plays Captain Toby, Fred Tobolowski, and they are ready to move on, which will eventually lead us to that series finale, which was written with the intention of being the cliffhanger season finale next week. Now, this episode was written by John Scheiben, Vince Gilligan, and Frank Spotnitz. As usual, when those three work together, they've got a character named John Gilnitz, the combination of their three names. That actually happens six times in the course of the X-Files and its spin-offs. This is the fifth. We've already seen that in Leonard Betts, in Thief, in Wet Wired, in Dreamland, and now we've seen it in the Captain Toby show. It will happen one more time in Season 9, an episode called Jump the Shark. The episode was directed by Carol Banker. If we look at her top four best-known-for credits on the Internet Movie Database, we see Mallrats, The Prophecy, The X-Files, and Jersey Girl. We haven't mentioned her role with The X-Files because her role was script supervisor, and that's not one that we put a lot of focus into. But she is going to serve as script supervisor back from when she started in 1998, going right through 2002. She does have 22 directing credits, but this was her directing debut. She would go on to direct NYPD Blue, Raising the Bar, Beyond the Break, Glee, Containment, Vampire Diaries. She's got an episode of The X-Files that she's going to direct in the relaunched series. And she is still going with directing credits on Titans and Deputy. Possibly the most recognizable member of the guest cast is Tom Poston. Now, the IMDb says that he's best known for a role in Christmas with the Cranks as Father Zabriskie. I know him best as George Utley, the innkeeper and handyman at the inn in Newhart. So the Bob Newhart sitcom. He also played Tom Penderell in The Dark Old House in 1963, and Mr. Bickley as a recurring role on Mork and Mindy. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2007 at age 85. Now, another notable guest star is Ben Bass. He plays John Gilnitz. That's the producer who was making the changes that Langley objected to so strenuously. He is best known for his work in Bride of Chucky, The Sixth Day, Bury the Lead, and Forever Night, as far as the IMDb is concerned. Like a lot of Canadians, I recognize him from his recurring role on 74 episodes of Rookie Blue, which is a Canadian police series about new recruits, with Missy Peregrine in the lead as Andy McNally. Saya Batten is the woman with the rose-colored glasses. She's got 44 acting credits to her name, most recently in 2013, at least as far as the IMDb is concerned. She's best known for work in Charlie Wilson's War, 
the 2006 version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, and Star Trek Deep Space Nine, where she played Zial for a couple of seasons. She would also go on to play Navar, one of the Orion dancers in Star Trek Enterprise, which is where her profile picture comes from on the IMDb. She also had a guest role in Voyager. Now, Douglas Newell has 62 acting credits to his name. Most recently, in a 2012 episode of Supernatural. So he plays the puppeteer in this one. His credits go back to 1985, playing a character named Bundles in a TV movie. And he was also guest starring in MacGyver, The Commish, and a number of the syndicated series. He is best known for roles in Happy Gilmore, the television miniseries It, Masterminds, and Supernatural. Jasmine Dring has a very small role as the wife of Captain Toby, who just happens to be Chinese, which is why he was a prime suspect in leaking information to the Chinese government. She's got 17 acting credits to her name, most recently in 2017, best known for her work in The Eye, Final Destination 5, Psych, and Dark Angel. Now, Brian Drummond plays the lead agent here. This is his only work for 1013 that I can find, but he does have 294 credits to his name, predominantly in voice acting. So he has done voices for Dragon Ball Z, Death Note, Hot Wheels World Race, Mobile Suit Gundam Seed. He's currently working on The Hollow and Ninjago, as well as The Willoughbys. So it looks like he's got multiple recurring roles in multiple concurrent series. And in fact, the quote-unquote most recent title on his IMDb list is Expeditioner 5 in a project called Persephone that's not due out until 2026. So he is very much still active today. Now, we discussed Michael Eklund before. He played a clerk in Like Water for Octane. Here he plays Wiener Man. So he is a man who was dressed up as a hot dog wiener in the mall, that helps bring some information, including the tip-off about the woman with rose-colored glasses, to the lone gunman. Jodie Furland plays the little girl named Mary, even though her character is only credited as little girl. She has 71 credits to her name, still active today, with roles in Case 39, Silent Hill, Tideland, and The Tall Man. She's also in The Office Games, which is currently in post-production, and a couple of episodes of Supernatural. Zaf Peru plays reporter number two. It's a pretty tiny role. It may have shown up as fa being fairly prominent because he does have lines, and he was getting a lot of work with Fox at this time. He's got 67 acting credits to his name right up till now, with roles in Malibu Rescue, Altered Carbon, Defying Gravity, and Say It Isn't So, showing up as the four best-known projects on his IMDb. Scrolling through the titles... I would think some of us would also know him from guest stars in the rebooted Battlestar Galactica and Stargate SG-1. Now, Eric Pospisil plays Young Langley. This is his second appearance in The Lone Gunman. We have discussed his work before. And that rounds out this particular episode. So it is entertaining. The title doesn't strike me as one that fits with the rest of the series. They've, up to this point, they've been more puns rather than just a direct listing from the show. 
I think that may be because this is virtually one that was named by the fans. When it was aired, the official website said the title was untitled. They hadn't decided on a title for this particular episode. And the fans simply just started referring to it as the Captain Toby show. So that's the name that stuck. But to me, that compared to the episodes, the episode titles that we've seen so far, that one was a little too on the nose. You know, when we look at things like Bond, Jimmy Bond, Ina Klein of Frohickey, Like Water for Octane, Three Men in a Smoking Diaper, Planet of the Frohickeys, Diagnosis Jimmy, The Lion Game, which had elements similar to The Crying Game. So much of what we had, they are making pop culture references with slight spins on the titles to The Lone Gunman. So I suspect it came out as untitled because they were having a hard time finding one in that manner that fit this show as well as some had fit other shows. So we have the title that effectively fans gave it. And this one also came in with a 7.4 out of 10, which is not quite the lowest rated episodes of the series. That would be Three Men in a Smoking Diaper with the 6.9. And there's a few hovering around that 7.3 and 7.4 mark. But when we come back in two weeks' time, we are going to see what is the highest rated episode of the series with All About Eve. But that is going to take two weeks because next week we are going to look at Essence and Existence, the combined two-part finale of X-Files Season 8. So please join us in two weeks for that, and thank you for listening.